Hi, this is Karin Sissis of ASCOA Online. On October 27th, Alberto Fernandez won Argentina's presidential vote, unseating Mauricio Macri. And the Peronist candidate did it in the first round. Now that we have the answer to who will be the country's president come December, the question is, what comes next? How will the 45-day transition go? How do local election results play into the scenario? What has Macri's political movement meant for Argentina? And what will Fernandez's win mean for Mercosur and foreign relations? My colleague, Luisa Horowitz, spoke with Juan Cruz Diaz, managing director of Cefede's group and special advisor to ASCOA. He gave us The View from Buenos Aires. You're listening to Latin America in Focus. Latino America in Foco. America Latina in Foco. A podcast by America Society, Council of the Americas on politics, economics, and culture in the region. Juan Cruz, thank you so much for joining us in Latin America in Focus today. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Lisa. So let's start our conversation with an overview of this weekend's first round of elections in Argentina, which came out to a win for the Peronist coalition under Alberto Fernandez and his running mate, the former president, Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner. They received 48% of the vote compared to the current president, Mauricio Macri's 40% in his re-election bid for Juntos por el Cambio, or Together for Change. The possibility of a runoff was eliminated with this result, as in Argentina, you need 45% of the vote or 40% with a 10-point difference. And this was a different outcome than in 2015, when Macri had a come-from-behind win. What was the biggest difference and the biggest surprise of this election for you? Well, clearly the biggest difference was the unification of the Peronist party as a big uh, electoral coalition. It's been you know, at least 20 years that we don't see uh, the Peronist party as united as we saw in this election. So there was, this was clearly, together with the, the very severe economic crisis that Argentina is having right now, uh, that mostly explains the, these results. In 2015, um, the Peronist Party had two important candidates. We had uh, Daniel Scioli as the main Peronist candidate, but also we had Sergio Massa running with the Frente Renovador, uh, like a spin-off of the Peronist Party. Uh, that was a very competitive candidate and helped uh, divide the Peronist vote and pave the way for Mauricio Macri to win in the in the second round. In this case. Um, especially with the with the with the big political move that former President Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner did earlier this year, when she decided not to run as president and 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 give this big gesture uh, to help uh, unify the Peronist party and Sergio Massa coming behind um, Alberto Fernandez back to the Peronist party. So we have a big Peronist party coalition. Um, and I would say that that was the biggest uh, explanation and also a surprise. And very few people would uh, have anticipated that a year ago. 
and, and Juntos for el Cambio political strategy or electoral strategy was basically counting on the division of the Peronist party. So in a way, it's the biggest explanation and the biggest surprise. But having said all of this, uh, the, the, the severe economic crisis under President Macri is, is, is a big part of, 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 of this result as well. Yeah, definitely. And let's talk quickly about the polls. So for one, they didn't get it right. Um, neither did they foresee that large 15 plus point difference between Fernandez and Macri in the August primaries known as the Paso vote. And they forecast a much bigger margin than the eight points that we saw in this first round. Uh, why do you think that is? Well, I, I think also this is part of the of a, of a more global situation. We've seen the polls failing not only in Argentina, across the region, and to be honest, in Europe and in the U.S. So there's something there between the the current composition of the society, the way the societies communicate, and the methodologies that, that polls are using, that there's something off there. Um, I think in the in the polls before the PASO, there were many methodological problems. I mean, it's very important when 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 one starts to analyze or read the poll to look at the methodology and to see if, there, if the, the 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 questionnaires were taken by by you know Facebook by phone by the phone um, personally, and that really uh, ex helps to understand um, how uh, those results. Um, but I, I would say that there's something um, uh, interesting. You know, the, the, the polls, uh, you know, uh, varies uh, very much um, across the, the country. You know, in, 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 in several provinces, um, the polls were much more accurate than the polls at a national level. And that's, that says something interesting. Um, and I, I think it has to do with the methodology. And after the PASO, I would say that most of the biases of the polls were uh, favoring the, 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 the one that it goes winning, you know, and, and maybe it's that. But the polls are, are something uh, as an element to analyze the, the, the reality, but uh, we, we need to be very, very careful in, in, in analyzing them. Yes, definitely. And okay, so you've already mentioned the, the economic turbulence that Argentina has has undergone. And we know that this turbulence is a norm for Argentina and it's been for many decades. Um, and we saw some signs of it after Fernandez came out so far ahead in the primaries in August. Um, what do you think Fernandez, now that he will become president and assume on December 10th, what can he do to calm some of these worries? Well, definitely he has a very, very difficult uh, uh, situation. It's a very, very challenging moment. Um, he needs to balance a lot of uh, competing um, interests within his coalition, uh, as well as he has very, very uh, diverse competing um, needs and demands in, in the society in Argentina, outside of Argentina, um, important actors like the you know the, the the IMF or the or the bondholders, the private sector. So he really has a, a, a very challenging situation. And all of us, I mean, every Argentine, every analyst, every uh, interest person interested in Argentina is looking forward to see what what Alberto Fernandez plans are. 
Of course, during the campaign, the specifics were not there. It is clear that he will try to bring the economy to a much more active uh, um, status. Uh, in, in, so the, the, in order to improve the consumption and, and, and probably the salaries and, and, and the activity of the private sector, but that's not easy to do. The fiscal situation of Argentina is quite, it's quite difficult. Um, um, unemployment is, is going up, poverty is going up, inflation is in an unstoppable um, uh, uh, situation as, 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 as we speak. Um, the demand for dollars, um, it, it's, it's still high in, in Argentina, so the, there are a lot of restrictions right now uh, in place. Um, and so that, that, that's, a, that's a big problem for Argentina. And also the, the debt, you know, one of the situations that, are, it's, that Argentina will have to face immediately is a, a level of external debt that Argentina has. And the, reigning, and the negotiation of this reprofiling that, that Argentina will have to face and, and the relationship with the IMF will be critical, the relationship with the, with the, with the, with the banks and the, uh, the bondholders will be critical. And that, that's not a, an easy. It, it's not an easy thing to do. There's no specifics as we speak in in Alberto Fernandez's plans. Uh, there are different um, um, individuals that have been, uh, um, you know, identified as key advisors of Alberto Fernandez. And to be honest, uh, none of them have the same point of view. Um, so we need to see during this transition which of these actors and which of these ideas he starts favoring and balancing the, the different interests in, the, in, in, in this coalition. So it's very hard to see, uh, to, 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 to say right now what's, what will be uh, his response to this. But he has a very, very difficult situation. What, it's, what it is promising is how the transition started. Um, in, in 2015, we had, we had a very turbulent transition. The, the two actors did not cooperate. Uh, former President Cristian Fernandez de Kirchner uh, was quite hostile in this transition uh, to, to Mauricio Macri, and Mauricio Macri was very hostile to Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner, so there were no cooperation in that transition, which makes things difficult by then. Right now, we are seeing a different dynamic. Uh, President Macri was quickly to, to get, give a concession speech and it was a very gracious concession speech. Esto es por Argentina. La transición ordenada que lleve tranquilidad a todos los argentinos porque acá lo único importante es el futuro y el bienestar de los argentinos. best speeches during his presidency and he said that in, he called Alberto Fernandez and invited him for, for breakfast and, and Alberto Fernandez took that very well. He was there for breakfast and they had a very good meeting um, and in a way, uh, again, one, it is one of those surprises. If, if no one would have anticipated this a few months ago. Uh, it was like a Chilean-style transition of, with, with the breakfast president-elect and the outgoing president. And, and Alberto Fernandez already appointed a transition team. And it seems that the teams are going to work on that. And that will help to, to, to make a smoother process and bring some calm to investors and most of the economic agents and, and interested parts uh, so far. 
Uh, we need to see how this uh, smooth uh, transition lasts. Um, you know, some observers are already telling that uh, that it would be hard to sustain uh, a peaceful transition with the difficult decisions that we'll, they will have to make in the next 45 days. But we need it, it, it's important to watch this closely. What it what it is key is that these 45 days transition it is as important as the first hundred days of government. There are many many uh, decisions and, and and things that needs to be. Uh, made that will define the months to come, so it's key to to, to watch. Um, but again, there are no specifics so far. Alberto Fernandez could be very pragmatic, um, and, but, but, and and also he has a, a very broad coalition with diverse views that he had to balance. And, and we need to see what what's the, his his final um, line of work in the in the coming weeks. That's great. Thank you, Juan Cruz. And let's move on to talk about the legislative elections that also took place aside from the presidential election. It also delivered interesting results. So Argentina has a bicameral Congress and the Senate will now see a comfortable majority for the Peronistas, the Peronists, and uh, the Vice President Cristina Fernández de Kirchner will preside over it. And in the lower chamber of deputies, there will be more of a balance, although the Peronists still have a slight majority as well. Um, so this obviously will require for negotiation when passing legislation. What will Fernández likely have to face in this new Congress? I, I think this is this is very good news in a way, and and, and you know it, it's been a while that we have we have we see we've seen a you know a presidential election with a with, with this balanced result. Um, so it is true that that uh, in the Senate the the Frente de Todos or the Peronist coalition will have uh, not only majority but they are very close uh, to having quorum there. And this will be presided by by Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner, so it will be very important. You know, any piece of legislation or any policy that um, uh, the the government wants to 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 send through Congress will have to go here. And while they have a comfortable um, position there, it is important to see that the role of former President Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner will be very important there. And I know there are a lot of people questioning or asking who will run the country, Alberto or Cristina. My view is Alberto will definitely run the country and he will appoint his cabinet and he will push for the policies that he believed important. Uh, but Cristina Fernandez Kirchner will have a very important role um, to, uh, to check on that from, from, the, from, from the Senate. And, and, the, and the situation in, in the Diputados, in the Chamber of Deputies, is much more balanced. Um, none of the uh, parties have quorum there. Um, the, although the Peronist, the, depending on how you count the diputados, but it, it is very likely that the Peronist party or the Frente de Todos will have the first minority in Congress, but this will require a, a much more negotiated process in diputados. Um, it is not um, you know, a surprise that probably the, the, the head of the diputados, the Chamber of Deputies, will be Sergio Massa, which brings, uh, you know, some uh, the, the discussion a little bit to the center, and, and certainly he will try to to, to negotiate there. But that this will require uh, concessions, and this will require a negotiated process uh, there. We, uh, and in in any case, we 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 are seeing a balanced uh, Congress, and we're, we we see a Congress in which the opposition uh, of Cambiemos will have tools 
to to make their voice sound and 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 to and to you know put some controls in place to or checks in place to Alberto Alberto Fernandez and this is quite important in terms of of political balance in Argentina and this is mostly explains that the very robust election um, that President Macri made in, in, in some of the main districts in Argentina, you know, the city of Buenos Aires, Santa Fe, Córdoba, eh, Mendoza, and even San Luis, which was a surprise, uh, that brought a, a, a good number of diputados for, for, for President Macri. So that was very interesting. And kind of along the lines of this, you mentioned in previous analysis the positive effects of a two-party system and how it can help governability and political stability. How does this impact the Argentine case? It's widely known that in Argentina there's been hyperpolarization between the Peronists and the non-Peronists. They wouldn't always characterize as these two um, sides. But how does this new balanced Congress reflect such a two-party system? It, it is interesting. I am... Um... I think one of the biggest legacies of of President Macri is this going to be this one and not others. Um, it's interesting. In in late 2016, I I, I wrote a small piece for a viewpoint for America Society Council of the Americas in December, in which was I was writing that Mauricio Macri was delivering on politics over economics. And, 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 and to be honest, that, that kept going. That's the case. Most people anticipated that, you know, this pro-business candidate that had like uh, business credentials with like superstars, economists having, coming from private banks, running the economy, will, will turn the economy of Argentina around. And that did what well, that was not the case. You know, the the, the economic policies and about performance of, of Mauricio Macri was extremely disappointed. However, the, something quite unlikely and counterintuitive happened, in which with the, 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 the President Macri delivered an important legacy on the political and institutional side. Uh, President Macri um, and, and this was the case from, from the beginning. President Macri, when he started uh, in politics in the early 2000s, he was an outsider, of course. He's a businessman who was coming from running the, the second most important uh, soccer team in Argentina. And, 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 and he was an outsider. But instead of running as an outsider, he started to run his political career as an insider in, that, in a way. He created a, a new party. It was a local party, but with a party structure, um, uh, he he had other figures and important figures b b besides him. It's not uh, he created a party that is not extremely personalist party. We can name you know uh, a dozen of, of high-profile political uh, figures from his party uh, that that were with him with, from from the, from from the beginning, and he had an ambition to win. You know something that the traditional uh, opposition to the Peronist party in Argentina, the Unión Cívica Radical, had lost after the 2001 crisis. The, the, uh, Mauricio Macri created a party with amb an ambition to win and to run a government. He initiated a, a, a bid for the city of the Buenos Aires and he lost. And a lot of people said, well, this guy is going to abandon politics. He, he didn't. And he ran again and he won. Everybody thought, thought that he was not going to be able to run effectively the, the, the city, and he actually did, did that, and he was re-elected. 
And, and after that, nobody thought that he could be president. And actually, he became president uh, by not only having this ambition to win, but building from this local party a national coalition. And this, this is the key. He built a national political coalition that was able to win in 2015 with authority and actually to win again in the midterms of 2017 with, with, a, with a lot of authority. Um, and, and suddenly that created a lot of good incentives in our institutions. Uh, after the 2001 crisis um, and when the Union Civica Radical lost that self-confidence and ambition of power, Argentina was basically subject between 2001, 2002 and until 2015 to a one-party national system and all the political discussions were, were debated as different uh, factions of the Peronist party. Um, and, and Mauricio Macri changed that with, 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 with this ambition. And even by losing in these 2019 elections, he, 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 he is losing the election, but in a, in a very strong way. He got 40% of the votes. Um, it's been a while that, that, that we didn't have these results. And, and what I see the, this here is that he created incentives to the Peronist Party to unify and, and to, to come back to a two-party system. And in, in my view, this creates better incentives to the institutions and it creates um, hopefully more sustainable institutions. Again, few people will have anticipated that uh, in, in, in the financial and economic and social crisis that Argentina is going through that right now, the Argentine institutions would uh, be able to process all these tensions uh, as institutionally as we, as we have done in the last few months. Of course, uh, we have polarization and we have tough uh, discourse and, and tough uh, fights between the candidates, but that's normal. But we have processed these tensions in a very institutional way. Uh, we had uh, clean elections. No one is, 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 is claiming that these elections are not clean. Um, we, ha we have seen the candidates uh, having breakfast. I mean, the president-elect and the president and the outgoing president having breakfast. It's starting a transition. So I think uh, uh, this is a result of the better incentives that, that a two-party system is back in Argentina, um, and and I think that that that's very very positive. Uh, that, let's not forget that President Macri will be the first non-Peronist president that finished. His, it's constitu his constitutional term since parent, the parents' party exists. So that's not a minor thing. And it seems uh, as today that the, this coalition, this Cambiemos coalition, Juntos con el Cambio coalition, is here to stay. They have a, a, a robust presence in, in many important places and they have political leaders that can continue this and even Mauricio Macri can continue this. So uh, I think that's a, that the most important legacy uh, of President Macri that should be recognized in terms of that. Of course, the, 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 the economy is not, is not going to be one of his legacies, but the, uh, at the political and institutional level, we, see, we can see something there. That's extremely insightful. Thank you, Juan Cruz. I think that's really great background to help us understand the impact of what Macri's administration meant for the country and how it 
uh, jumpstarts this new administration that Fernandez will begin. But let's get into local elections for a little bit. So Maria Eugenia Vidal, the governor of Buenos Aires under Macri's administration, a very popular political figure, she also lost her governorship to Axel Kicillof of the Peronists. And Buenos Aires is the largest and most influential province in the country. What does the loss of Buenos Aires or this turnaround of the Buenos Aires governorship mean for Fernandez's presidency? I think there, there's an important element to understand. You know, um, Mario Eugenia Vidal won the, the, the governorship of, of the province of Buenos Aires in 2015 by roughly more or less the same percentage that he, she got right now. Uh, the, the, the difference is, again, that the Peronist party was uh, divided, Um, there was like uh, internal competition. They had a candidate that, that wasn't that popular at that moment. So there were a lot of elements that, that uh, helped uh, Mario Eugenia Vidal to become the, 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 the governor. But we're, we're, we're in a province, you know, the province of Buenos Aires has a, a strong parentist base. And what she did in, in 2015 is very, very difficult to repeat. Uh, in especially in this economic context, you know the the, right. the province of Buenos Aires is the most populated province in the country, and at the same time it has several um, uh, sectors of the population of the province that has been extremely affected by some of the policies or or the of the results of the economic policies of, of the current governor. Uh, government, uh, I mean national government, in terms of poverty, have, have increased substantially, unemployment, uh, you know, the, 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 some closures of SMEs, um, you know, the, 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 the extreme poverty have raised in, in, in some sectors. So there, there's a lot of issues that did not help Mario Eugenia Vidal to position herself um, to win. And, and again, the unification of the Peronist Party here was key. Um, and we're seeing this in the results. However, um, Mario Eugenia Vidal is still quite popular. And uh, you know, we can anticipate that she's not uh, leaving politics. And she probably will fight for a congressional seat uh, in the midterms in 2021 in order to position herself for something in, in 2023, either governor or even running for president, who knows. Um, and, and what's happening with Axel Kicillof is quite interesting because Axel Kicillof comes from, from a, 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 a more Kishnerist tradition rather than a Peronist tradition. He is not seen as a Peronist tradition um, himself. Um, and he basically will have to deal with a, with a lot of uh, majors and, and and Peronist bosses uh, in the province of Buenos Aires. And I, it will be very interesting to see how that dynamic works um, in general and traditionally and historically, some of the more traditional leadership of the Peronist party, you know, uh, including junior leaders and, and, and some traditional Peronists are not um, aligned with, with many, you know, traditional, more ideological left in a way. And Axel Kicillof, in a way, comes from that tradition, or tradition mass, for a more intellectual left, I would say. So that that clash of, of visions will be interesting to see how that develops, and also the dynamic within the governor and, and the president. Uh, historically, we have seen many tensions within between 
the president and the governor of the province of Buenos Aires. That's very important because the province needs the resources of the national government to, to, to advance many of their, their policies. And, and many governors have suffered that before. You know, Daniel Scioli suffered greatly um, the conflictive relationship that he had with Cristina Fernandez Kirchner, Eduardo Dualde uh, in the 90s, you know, suffered that with, 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 with Carlos Menem and so on. So it will be interesting to see how that din- dynamic plays, you know, especially um, in, 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 in the context of the difficult decisions that, that Alberto Fernandez will have to, to, to make. So uh, it's very hard to anticipate because these are completely new dynamics. We never seen Axel Kicillof in, in an elective uh, executive position. You know, we've seen him as Minister of Economy, Vice Minister of Economy, and we've seen him in Congress. But uh, it's interesting to see how he will react in order to 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 deal with with that and how he will form his team. You know, it's it's it, that will be interesting to see. Um, but it was, but I think that that's the dynamic to watch. Uh, that, that the relationship between Alberto and Axel Kicillof, and then the dynamic that Alberto, Axel Kicillof will have with the local leaders and, and 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 the majors of the province of Buenos Aires, which are basically the party bosses of in in, in the in the in the province, because it's not an easy province to run. It, 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 you know, it has a lot of financial problems. You know, the the government of Mario Eugenia Vidal, you know, just um, apparently it, it has defaulted some debt with the provincial bank and, you know, had a lot of financial stress. And therefore, it will be very interesting to see how, how that, that relationship uh, goes. That's interesting. That's definitely something to keep an eye out for. So on the international front, if we can talk about this a little, we're going to see a political shift from one of the largest economies in the southern cone. And this has an impact, especially for neighbor Brazil, with President Jair Bolsonaro on the right. Um, we've already seen some confrontation between Fernandez and Bolsonaro. Um, Fernandez already calling, for example, the release of former president Luis Inácio Lula da Silva, for example. Um what do you think these points of contention could mean on issues such as uh, the South American trade bloc, Mercosur, for example? It's certainly a, a rough start, you know, and during the campaign, uh, Bolsonaro was criticizing Alberto Fernandez a lot. Um, Alberto Fernandez responded very, um, you know, aggressively against uh, Jair Bolsonaro. Uh, then uh, Alberto Fernandez said that it was a mistake, that the relationship with Brazil is much more important than the personal relationship between them. So he, he uh, stopped the escalation of, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the discussion. However, um, you know that Alberto Fernandez um, has a very strong view in support of, of, of President Lula da Silva. Alberto Fernandez believe that the former president Lula da Silva, the way that he has been incarcerated is not a fair way. He went to Brazil, he went and visit, um, you know, Lula da Silva. Alberto Fernandez is part of the group of Puebla, you know, uh, the, this group of, of, of progressive leaders in the region that, are, that Lula and Dilma Rousseff are part of as well, and they're calling, you know, for, for, the, for the liberation of President Lula. 
So that that creates a very difficult position and situation. And we've seen, we've seen this uh, after the election. You know, President Bolsonaro said that Argentines made a mistake in electing uh, Alberto Fernandez, and Alberto Fernandez responded that. But to be honest, within the Argentine people, that comment of, of President Bolsonaro didn't play very well. We've seen some negative reactions, even from sectors that are not supporting Alberto Fernandez. So the, the start of the relationship is not great. However, they don't have space to, to continue with this. You know, the, 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 that relationship for Argentina and, and Brazil is very important. It's very important for the industry, from the private sector, and for you know, even from strategically. So they will have to find a way to deal with these personal uh, tensions. Um, it, it is very important what is going to happen as well in, in Uruguay. Uh, we had elections in Uruguay on Sunday, uh, and even though the Frente Amplio candidate Daniel Martinez was come okay. I mean, the resulted first in in this first round. They are going to go to second round, and the other candidate Luis Lacalle, who's more to the center right uh, spectrum, has a very good chance of, of of winning this election. And all of this might affect the the future of Mercosur. Um, some of you know the the more more center to right. Uh, presidents were trying to push for a convergence to the Alianza del Pacifico uh, bloc, but at the same time we're seeing the Alianza del Pacifico countries and leaders with their own problems um, as well. So um, I, I think that the regional um, situation is, is, a, is a bit complicated because everybody has, every country has their own problems. We see Chile, we see Peru, we see Ecuador, even Colombia. Brazil, um, Paraguay is having some problems as well, even though it looks really stable under these circumstances. And Uruguay is coming out, will come out from an election and start 2020 with a new president. So um, I think uh, the, 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 the situation is very fluid. And my, my perception is like both President Bolsonaro and, and President-elect Fernandez will tone down a little bit their rhetoric because uh, you know the the the, the relationship in within these countries goes beyond that tensions that they might have. Having said this, the prospect for increased trade or strengthening the Mercosur as a as a trade a block, you know, are, are not looking good. Right. Right, that makes sense. And on that same front, it was revealed that Fernandez's first international trip before even taking office will be to Mexico to visit AMLO. So why is this? And what do you think that means for his foreign policy? Well, um, uh, this trip to, to, to Mexico was even planned before. Um, remember that Alberto Fernandez was in Spain and, 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 and Portugal, and, and he met with the leaders both in Spain and Portugal. After that, during the campaign, he, he, he made a, a trip to Peru and in Lima, met with President Vizcarra, and then he went to Bolivia and, and met with President Evo Morales in Bolivia. And part of this you know, international tour uh, in initially was uh, in, included Mexico, but you know, then the matters of agenda and so on, uh, Made made the the, the the trip to be postponed and, and, until now, and I think uh, it has some interesting points in in the term in terms of uh, you know AMLO AMLO 
it's a, a, a prescient that it's uh, progressive in a way to their views. Uh, in a way, they need to counter the influence that, that Jair Bolsonaro has in its, in its in, in the sense of that he will have to find you know some times of a, a, a alignment with, with another president of an important country of the region. So I think uh, it can be explained uh, on that on that on that grounds. Uh, but I don't think it's, it explained everything. It, it, it's, it's one trip. He will go and meet the president there, but it will come others, you know, uh, trips. And, and, you know, probably he also will go to the U.S. at some point uh, before the end of the year, uh, which will, will be key to calm some expectations and start the process of, of calming investors and discussing the future of the debt in Argentina. But I wouldn't read too much... Uh, on, on this trip to, 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 to Mexico. I think it's a part of the continuum in, in, in terms of, of, of the relationship that he, he wants to establish. And of course, AMLO will be uh, one that he will favor. But it, have, it was interesting the Twitter diplomacy we've seen in the, in, the, in the last day in which many presidents of the world uh, were congratulating uh, Alberto Fernandez and he was responding to all of them in a very warm and, and interesting way, even to, to Nicolás Maduro. Nicolás Maduro uh, was, uh, sent a tweet uh, you know, congratulating him and Cristina Fernández de Kirchner for the election, and, and immediately he responded thanking him for the congratulations, but it's stressing that the, 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 the future of the well-being of our countries and our societies needs to be done uh, by uh, taking care of, of democracy of, through a democratic process. And a lot of people is reading um, an important message to Maduro there. So that will be interesting to see how it develops. That's very insightful. Thank you, Juan Cruz. That's all we have for today. And I thank you once again for joining us at Latin America in Focus. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Luisa. And as always. Thank you, Juan Cruz. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Karin Zissis. This podcast was produced by Luisa Horowitz. For more on Argentina's elections, visit as-coa.org slash Argentina 2019. The music in this podcast was recorded at our headquarters in New York City. For upcoming concerts, visit musicoftheamericas.org. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Your reviews help us spread the word. So please give us five stars and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. Con la frente marchita y el paso del tiempo platearon mis cielos.